Friends, it's a gift to be together in this way. I'm excited for this sermon because together we get to listen to the goodness of God as revealed to us through Ephesians 2. One of the reasons I'm so excited to listen to Ephesians 2 together is because this is the first time as a preacher that I've gotten to choose the passage that I preach on. At Pillar, we follow the narrative lectionary, which guides us through a gospel in Advent and sends us into ordinary time after Lent. And then it it brings us through the whole story of God with us, starting from creation all the way toward that gospel in the fall. And summer is always a taste of something different. So I've chosen Ephesians 2 as my focus, but when Pastor John went on sabbatical, he gave each of us on staff a scripture passage to internalize, to chew on, to pray through, to think about during the summer. And so this is actually the chapter that he chose for me based on the meaning of my middle name, which is Grace. So as we listen to Ephesians 2 together, My hope is that you'll sense in a renewed way the truth of God's grace for you in Jesus Christ. One of the reasons I love Ephesians 2 is because it feels a little bit like a zoomed out 1,000 foot view of the goodness of God. Taking a step back and remembering how transformative the person of Jesus Christ is. In Ephesians 2, we're brought from death to life, from despair to hope. It reminds me, I wonder if you can remember a moment in your life or in your faith, in creation, in community, in God's word, when the truth and goodness of who God is in Jesus Christ became crystallized and true and concrete for you. A moment when out of the midst of the craziness of the world, you felt like you were able to take a step back and remember who Jesus is. I had a moment like this, this past Saturday, there's a group of some pillar women who have generously invited me to join their cycling crew. And we were riding down some hills by Saugatuck, catching the kind of speed on a bike that makes my heart sing. And I was able to take a deep breath, to soak in the beauty of God's creation, and to remember in that moment, I've been raised with Christ, I'm alive, and I belong. And so I hope that as you listen to Ephesians 2, as we listen to it together, that that would be your experience. A moment away from the chaos of it all to remember what's true about you and Jesus and then to re-enter that chaos with a renewed perspective of, of life sustained by the Spirit because you're alive in Christ. So with all that introduction, here's Ephesians 2. You were dead 
through the trespasses and sins in which you once lived, following the course of the world, following the ruler of the power of the spirit of the air, the ru- following the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work among those who are disobedient. All of us once lived among them in the passions of the flesh, following the desire of flesh and spirit. For we were all, by nature, children of wrath, like everyone else. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, he might show us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved, through faith. It is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one can boast. For you are, we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Death to life. A complete transformation because of the person of Christ given to us through the immeasurable riches of the grace and kindness and love of God. If I were to title this sermon, I would call it The Past present, and future of life with God in Christ. Where we've come from, where we are, and where we're headed. First, the past. Death is where we've come from. And the grip of death lingers in our world. Death is where we've come from. Think with me back toward the beginning of the story of when God made the world. Actually, the moment right after the beginning of the story when God made the world. God made the world and called everything good, but then through the temptation of the evil one and our own sinful longings, the devil, who Paul calls the ruler of the power of the air, led to jealousy and greed and hurt And the forces of death and brokenness entered God's good world. And it's been spiraling ever since. And the forces of death and decay are not just an abstraction. We actually taste their lingering effects here and now, which Ephesians 2 points to. Ephesians 2 is reminding us of the realities of death in our world and the grip of the enemy that can feel so strong, you were dead. You were by nature children of wrath. You all lived among them. The spirit is at work. 
The spirit of the air is at work among those who are disobedient. There's this lingering grip of death. You and me, all of humanity and all of creation, we were all actually under the grip of death in a severe and ultimate way. Because death is the course of the world and, and it's the past that God has brought us from. Listen to Q&A number seven from the Heidelberg Catechism. Then where does this corrupt human nature come from? The fall and disobedience of our first parents, Adam and Eve, in paradise. This fall has so poisoned our nature that we are all conceived and born in a sinful condition. Now, I don't like preaching about sin or death or brokenness, so hang with me. We're headed towards hope. That's where Ephesians 2 brings us. But to take a good look at our past is to taste the hope more fully because death is the course of the world. And you don't need me to tell you this. Death is the course of the world. War in Ukraine continues. Death is the course of the world. School shootings in America, death is the course of the world, and we feel the pain of it. COVID, death is the course of the world. Dementia and the ways that it distorts the ways that we relate with our loved ones. Death is the course of the world. All of us once lived among them. Death and the forces of death had such a significant grip on our lives and on the world that there was nothing we could do on our own to pull ourselves up and out to a way of life. Listen to this from N.T. Wright. If the problem is that the settled and habitual behavior of the whole human race leads people on the fast road toward death, the ultimate destruction of their humanness, the answer provided by God is a way through death and out into a new sort of life entirely. The, the fast road toward death, that's where we were, and God pulls us out toward a new way of life entirely in Jesus Christ. Listen to Q&A number eight as the Heidelberg leads us towards hope. But are we so corrupt that we are totally unable to do any good and inclined toward all evil? Yes, unless we are born again by the Spirit of God. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive with Christ. That's our present. Death is the course of our world, and death has defined our past, but our present is life in Christ. You are alive in Christ. You are alive in Christ. You are alive in Christ. Listen to this from John Calvin. He says, there is no other life than that which is breathed into us by Christ, so that we begin to live only when we are engrafted into him and enjoy the same life with himself. To be made partakers of the life of the Son of God, to be quickened by one spirit, is an inestimable privilege. Another way of putting it is that your life is united to Christ. Your life is hid with Christ in God. There is no you without Christ, and that's good news. And 
lest this become some sort of abstract metaphysical claim that I'm making, to be made alive in Christ is to belong and to be completely transformed. It's a death to life transformation. It's streams in the wilderness of a life that used to be dead, being made alive by the Spirit. It's dry bones coming to life. From a place of exclusion to belonging, from despair to hope, from meaninglessness to a secure identity. You were marked by the Spirit in your baptism as a child of God, and that means that everything has changed for you because of Jesus because of the mercy and love and kindness of God. I wonder if you can think with me of a story in your life of someone who you've seen tangibly experience transformation, that death to life experience of coming alive in Christ. I'm reminded of one of my summers in college. I worked as a camp counselor up in the North Woods of Wisconsin. And we had a cabin of sixth grade girls for two weeks. And I remember a specific camper named Emma. Emma came into camp with a lot of sorrow, with a hard family situation. And she didn't come from a setting where she had heard about the love of God in Christ for her. And so she came into camp with a lot of curiosity and a lot of sadness too. We made it to the beginning of the second week of camp when we packed up for our wilderness trip. We went over to the trip locker and we packed up these big canvas bags full of all the gear we needed for a couple days on the water. We started paddling out, made it to our campsite, and had one of those miraculously mosquito-free evenings around a bonfire, sharing stories of life and faith asking each camper about their experience of God and the ways they saw the Spirit moving while we were at camp. Every night we would ask what was a highlight of the day, a low light of the day, and how they saw God at work. And Emma wasn't always sure what to say when it came to her turn to share about how she saw God at work, but by the time we made it to the end of camp, she said that she saw God at work in the way that Her cabin mates showed her the love of Jesus, and her countenance became full of hope. She left camp transformed by the love of God and articulated to us that she learned that Jesus loved her in an experiential way during that time at camp. And that's just a microcosm story of the ways that the love of Christ actually transforms lives. Now, Emma's life at home didn't necessarily become instantly free of pain and suffering because the grip of death lingers in our world and in her world. But the knowledge and reality that her life was hid with Christ and raised with Christ made a significant transformative death-to-life difference in the way that she left camp. Calvin puts it this way, transformation in Christ, he says, it is as if we had been brought from the deepest hell to heaven itself. And so life with Christ, you being alive in Christ, means that the grip of death lingering in our world that you feel and that I feel in your life and in our world does not have the final word. 
and has in fact been overthrown toward the end goal of complete transformation someday. When Christ returns and makes all things new. So here's some really good news to hang on to. If you're feeling weary or overwhelmed by the lingering of death in our world. When you don't feel alive and when you're too weary to pretend to feel alive in Christ, take heart because Christ himself is alive with you and for you and on your behalf in every moment. It's not up to you. This being alive in Christ is not up to you. For grace, by grace you have been saved. It's something God has already done, so become who you are. You're alive in Christ. Past, present, and future of life with God in Christ. Someday we'll taste life to the full. Verse 7 puts it this way. We've been raised with Christ so that in the ages to come, he might show us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Calvin puts it this way. And certainly, although as respects ourselves, our salvation is still the object of hope, yet in Christ we already possess a blessed immortality and glory. We are thus furnished with the richest consolation. Listen to this. Of everything which we now want, we have a sure pledge and foretaste in the person of Christ. Of everything which we now want or lack or long for or pray for, we have a sure pledge and foretaste in the person of Christ. So because life to the full is Christ's own, it's extended to us here and now. And it will one day be brought to completion when Christ returns and our bodies are raised and we experience life with Christ forever in the new heavens and the new earth. So take heart, dear friends, when the reality of life with Christ still feels overwhelming and not enough and not full, whole, and abundant in the ways that you're longing for, because life with Christ is here and now, but there's also a coming future. And Christ himself with us here and now is a sure pledge and foretaste of that future. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, now we get to taste it. Here at the table, Christ gives us himself a sure pledge and foretaste of life to the full that we taste now and will taste in fullness someday when Christ returns and restores all the brokenness of the world into a new glorious creation that we can't even begin to imagine. So come hungry because right now here in your home, wherever you are, God offers you himself the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness for us in Christ Jesus is here for you to taste. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus was sitting with his friends and he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks and gave it to them and he said, this is my body given for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. And in the same way he took the cup and he poured it out and he said, this blood is the 
This cup is the new covenant of my blood given for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I invite you to celebrate communion in your homes where you are. If, if you would consider yourself a Christian, you're welcome at this table. If you're not at that place in life or in faith, and perhaps this conversation about being made alive in, in Christ prompts questions for you, know that I would love to hear what's stirring in your heart. Feel free to email me, Anna, at pillarchurch.com or any of our other pastors. We'd love to have a conversation with you about the ways that God is offering full, whole, abundant life now and eternally to you because of his great love. Let's continue in worship.